Welcome back to Flatlining, Burnout and Healthcare. My name is Britta and I am a second year PA student from Des Moines University. To catch you up on where I'm at in clinical year, I'm finally getting some primary care in. I just finished my first week at a family practice clinic in the Des Moines area. After my surgery rotation, I had an inpatient internal medicine rotation at Mercy Medical Center downtown, which was absolutely awesome. I got to see the admitting side of things and got to hang out in the ER with the clinicians I worked with. I have never seen such sick people and I loved all the learning I did, as well as the direct patient care. Family medicine has been really nice and relaxing after doing inpatient medicine for a month, and I'm learning so much more about maintenance and screening, which is so important and necessary. Well, I suppose we should get talking about burnout. Last time, we defined burnout as a psychological syndrome emerging as a prolonged response to chronic interpersonal stressors on the job. The three main components are overwhelming exhaustion, feelings of cynicism and detachment from the job, and a sense of ineffectiveness and lack of accomplishment, otherwise known as professional efficacy. We talked about the importance of defining burnout for research, as well as for this podcast, in order to identify those who are affected. This time, we will be talking about causes of burnout, as I have discussed with clinicians while on my rotations. I will, of course, be including my own thoughts as well. We will highlight the domains of control and reward in more detail as they relate to burnout. In general, when we approach the topic of burnout, we can say that it is caused by work-life balance being out of balance. In occupational burnout, negativity from the work sector of our lives affects the other portions of our lives in damaging ways. In my first introductory podcast, I mentioned that a doctor had come to DMU for grand rounds to discuss her experience of burnout. She talked about a wheel of health. This included, but wasn't limited to domains of physical exercise, sleep, fulfillment, spiritual, and relational. There's a funny graphic I've seen on Facebook several times that has a triangle of school, sleep, and personal life, and it says, pick two. This wheel of health is a sort of expansion from the more straightforward three choices to at least five choices. When we speak more about occupational burnout itself, there are several items that are important to consider with any job. In the book, The Truth About Burnout, How Organizations Cause Personal Stress and What to Do About It by Christina Maslach, six key domains have been identified. Workload, control, reward, community, fairness, and values. When these domains are not matched between an employer and an employee, there is a higher likelihood of burnout and generally feeling like the job is not the right fit. This fits nicely into the conversation I have been having as I travel during my clinical year. These six domains are challenged in the current healthcare system of training and also in practice. I especially want to highlight control and reward in this podcast. 
My surgery preceptor, Dr. Ron Cheney, was a PA for four years before going back to medical school. He now does general surgery in a western Iowa town. We talked about how so much of burnout can be characterized by one thing, loss of autonomy. This covers a multitude of ways clinicians feel a loss of control, both during schooling and then after schooling. We'll talk about schooling first, since that's where I find myself. Autonomy is delayed during school in a couple different ways. First, and what I'm currently more experiencing, the ways preceptors teach can reduce autonomy and confidence. One such way is through pimping, which is being quizzed with the potential for being put down if you answer a question wrong. Some people consider any questions to be a form of pimping, but in my experience, it's when the questions are not necessary and the preceptor uses the question to devalue and undermine your feelings of control or knowledge. Don't get me wrong, very few preceptors have actually subjected me to pimping in my limited experience. Also, out of the small number of experiences I have had with pimping, I did not feel like the preceptor was being malicious, rather subjecting me to the same treatment they had received during their own training of making sure that the student is put in their rightful place. Because mistakes in medicine can be fatal, there is low tolerance for error and pressure is placed to attempt to make students capable and self-sufficient at correcting themselves and focusing on attempting to gain perfection. All right, a second way that autonomy is delayed during school is having little control over your schedule due to tests, events, studying, Didactic year was especially grueling because of the way my schedule was dictated out of necessity for the requirements of the program. I'm so grateful my program is 25 months long, broken up into 12 months didactic, 12 months clinical rotations, and then one month for final assessments. But that meant that each day, and that means that each day, every hour of class is important. Finally, autonomy is delayed during school by feeling like you're missing out while you watch college classmates or even high school classmates get jobs, buy houses, start families. Delayed gratification is difficult in the season of paying a school to attend work every day during clinical year, of taking out more loans to get where you want to be instead of being able to enjoy the satisfaction of receiving your first paycheck from a full-time job. These are all similarities in every kind of graduate school, PA school, medical school, PhD programs, etc. This is not new or exclusive to PA school. Autonomy is delayed for future autonomy to be bolstered. The feeling that once you reach your goal, you will be free of the things and people that weighed you down before. This is the reason you put up with all this, the pimping, someone else deciding your schedule, and even potentially putting other aspects of life on hold. But this may not be as true as it seems. Autonomy after schooling can be taxed in many different ways. Most clinicians want to help people in tangible ways and work hard to develop the patient-clinician relationship and work towards good health together. Many things in the current healthcare system get in the way of this relationship-based experience. The first being insurance. Insurance essentially handles the practicing of medicine. 
between prior authorizations and costs of prescriptions limiting the practice of medicine, being a clinician is much more than what is taught about epidemiology and treatment of conditions in school. Besides the medicine, it is a constant dance of determining the most cost-effective treatment that insurance will cover while also being accessible at the pharmacies nearby. Diagnoses are determined through guidelines of what imaging can be ordered and when. And screening is all about algorithms and determining what to do next. A second part of practicing medicine where autonomy is held in question is um, the electronic medical record. It can seem to be more of a necessary evil than a resource for communication for keeping the patient as healthy as possible. And finally, a third thing that I have seen has been the business side of healthcare. This includes things like satisfaction surveys and also payment based on the number of patients seen. My last portion, I want to talk about the reward domain of the employer domains. I spoke with a family friend who was a clinical therapist in a town where I had my pediatrics rotation. He has been working in the same clinic for 25 years and had a lot to say about the feeling of burnout. One of the major causes of burnout he identified in his own life was the feeling that patients have ulterior motives when they come to counseling. He said that some days he feels like only 20% of the people who come for counseling have a genuine, straightforward case where they have identified a problem and they simply want help for their problem. On those same tough days, he feels like 80% of the time, some other motivating factor is present. There's a court case in the making, they're seeking pain medications, there's no drive for them to make changes that might lead to difference in their own life, etc. He said that something you don't anticipate when you enter a helping occupation is that feeling. Most people will say in complete cliche that they want to help people while doing their job. I don't know of anyone who blatantly doesn't want to help people while doing their jobs, but so much of being in a helping occupation, including the medical field, is the constant giving of self and time, sometimes with little feeling of accomplishment or return, especially if patients or clients don't appreciate your role or say thank you. Of course, rewards in patient care don't look or feel the way we sometimes think they ought to. When people are experiencing the worst medical state they have been in, or they aren't healthy in certain ways, mentally, physically, in any realm of their world, they can be very hard-pressed to offer thanks or to be kind. This is something most people understand, and yet thanks and appreciation can make all the difference when feeling satisfied with the goal of helping people, especially in healthcare. To circle back, we have identified some of the main causes of burnout, both in general terms of being out of work-life balance and in more specific ways, including control and reward as it relates to being a student and post-schooling with current healthcare burdens, such as EMR, insurance, and the business model. I want to thank my friend Brian Borsma, who talked with me about his experience with burnout as a clinical therapist, as well as my general surgery preceptor, Dr. Ron Cheney, who helped illuminate the idea of autonomy for me. It was so helpful to have people who are currently experiencing it speak into my 
experience as a student in order to help me create this podcast. Join me next time as I review the documentary Do No Harm, a film we watched at Des Moines University that discusses physician suicide. If that's something that you do not need to hear about at this point, please feel free to skip the next podcast. Thanks for listening, and remember, education and awareness are the first steps towards change in our own lives. Here's to living with purpose and fulfillment. Until next time, goodbye! views presented are those of this author alone and not those of Des Moines University. The song you hear at the beginning and end of this podcast is entitled Creative Days from Purple Planet Music.